This is Let's Talk Business with your hosts, Mark Ebinger and Heather Bain. Now, here's Mark. Welcome to Let's Talk Business, a show that talks entrepreneurship with some of the best businesses in the San Antonio area. If you're an entrepreneur looking to uh, for business inspiration and insight, be sure to follow us on all major podcast platforms, our YouTube channel, and social media. With us in studio, of course, is Heather Bame, a certified business coach who partners with entrepreneurs to gain clarity and accomplish their goals. Heather, welcome to the show. Always glad to be here. I'm excited about the lineup today. Yeah, me too. Come up on the show today, we're going to talk with Kyle Lancaster, a real estate agent and short-term rental advisor who works with My Market Boss Realty. Kyle, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Kyle, everybody wants to know how tall you are. How tall are you? Six four, six six, with a pair of boots on. Yeah, I know. Oh, You're not allowed day. to wear boots anymore when you he come. Spit that out immediately. <laughs> <laughs> that obviously like, comes up often. It I does. We got a twelve foot seat, or at least a twelve foot ceiling out there, and he stood up, and I'm like, okay, watch your head. But anyway, all right. We're also going to talk with Jared Smith, CEO of AN Global San Antonio, a veteran-owned and operated company that helps entrepreneurs sell businesses. Jared, welcome to the show. Thanks for inviting me. You bet. You guys do more than help people just sell businesses, right? Absolutely. Yeah, you yeah, guys are busy over there. We'll have to dig into that a little bit. <laughs> Thanks. A quick reminder for our listeners, you can catch video and podcast versions of the show anytime by visiting our website at satalkradio.com. And if you're a business owner in the San Antonio area and would like to have your company featured on the show, visit our website at satalkradio.com or call our office at 210-960-8210. That's 210-960-8210. And of course, if you want to sell your business, you can call Jared. But yeah, he's <laughs> like, yes, tell him that. <laughs> awesome. So um, I know you're going to be excited to talk with Jared because you guys have had a sit down talk already, right? Kind of got mm-hmm. acquainted, uh, lots of business. But what's the deal with the cows you all were talking about? Oh, um, well, Jared has two kids who uh, show cows in the 4-H or is it for their it's high FFA. school. FFA. FFA. Yeah. And I grew up showing cows in 4-H. And um, you really don't know until you know with cows, um, but it's a big pain in the butt. It's really? a process. It's like, like a year. I don't want my children to do it. It's a year mm. long. <laughs> well, what's the, they seem pretty easy to me. No. <laughs> well, you, so you're taking a creature that's, you know, um, naturally skittish of, of everything, right? And then you got to try to tame them. They got to walk them. You, know, you got to blow and, dry yeah, them. Yeah. What? Yeah. Well, those are for yeah. the fancy cows. No. no. Yeah, this, this is showing cows. This, this is yeah. showing cows. But they, they, they all go to the meat, you know, yeah. marketplace but eventually. But you want them to I be mean, But that's what they're, they're there for. But the, the kids make some money off of it, so it's good for them. They go It goes to the college fund, but it does get expensive to start with because, mm-hmm. you know, these you cows can go, you know, five, six, you know, even ten grand just, oh, wow. just to start with, you know, and then... These these cows go to you know San Antonio uh, you know rodeo, Houston, Fort Worth. I think Fort Worth had a cow that that went for three hundred thousand. What? Yeah, that sold. Mm-hmm. You know, it so. ends up just being steaks, right? Or was that yeah, a stud? Yeah. Was, was it a? It was one? a grand champion, but um, I don't know. I don't know exactly which uh, breed it was. Um, Depending on if it yeah. was a, I mean, if it was a steer, yeah. I mean, you can't it really do a, anything it, with it. It was a steer. Yeah, yeah. steer steer means you know they don't have their their cojones. They don't. They, no, they, they you don't. can't they even take breed them, them. They take them out, and that's what, that's because they're, they the process is to be a meat. You know, you take the the cojones, you know, so that they don't the have testosterone, testosterone makes your meat taste bad. Yeah, it makes it test, uh, taste rougher. Uh, I don't know if I'd like rougher. to weigh this whole thing. <laughs> is well, that's, the, that's the last thing I thought I would learn today. But I'm, right. yeah, I'm, no yeah, kidding, yeah, right? Check that box. But but so just so I understand, somebody spends three hundred thousand dollars on a on an animal, on a, a cow, whatever it is, a steer, I don't know if the terminology here, but 
just to make hamburger meat out of it or to make steaks? It goes to the kids. You know, it's these kids that put on, you know. Okay. You know, they they work hard, to be honest. I mean, so my kids have gotten their their cows um, the beginning of April, you know, essentially. So they're working every day, feeding them, walking them, you know, and they'll do that all the way up until, you know, February time frame when the rodeo happens, you know, and, and so... And they know what's going to happen to the cow, right? They absolutely do. You, you don't know? lie to them, do you? <laughs> no, absolutely not. I thought so. My wife or my daughter is a big emotional person, so I thought she would be really hard to deal with because of that. And she was ready to like, all right, bye. You know, she, wow. she was ready to be done. But then, like a week after she she got rid of it, she was like, all right, I need, I want another one. Uh, I'm wow. missing. She's an entrepreneur. Yeah, you know, so, yeah. yeah. So this is good money. I like yeah. this. Teaches so. them early. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a good responsibility. That's you what. take them through like McDonald's and say, okay, this is where they end up. Yeah, that's why I, I take them to, to HEB, you know, and I say, okay, this is this is what you know the butt of the of them, you know, this is the ribs, not know? of your cow, but <laughs> no, of no, somebody's I tell them cow. It's their cow. Oh, it is your cow. You know? yes. wow. This is probably your cow right here. So that's how I know you were in the army. Man. You mess with your kids just like you're in the army. Of course, teach them the facts of life. Yeah. So the lesson here is, if your kids are looking at doing 4-H or FFA and they're trying to pick their animal, uh, steer them toward rabbits or chickens. Yeah. Mm. Or pigs. Pigs okay, are not bad. Are you know, my daughter started with a pig her first time, and it's it's they started basically in August September, so you don't have as long. Wait a minute now, shouldn't you be telling them to start where the money is? Uh, the they, money they can still make good money from those. You know, you got to spend money to make money in yeah. cows. Yes. Mm. Okay. So like, I mean, it's a high investment. You got to feed a what two thousand pound animal to get as fat as possible. So if you've got your upfront cost saved, yes, you can make more on a cow. There you but go. if you're working your way up, you start with the cheapest possible chickens. You sell it, you make that chicken money, and then you can move up. Because what is a starter money. calf like five hundred? So uh, the, no, my daughter started with hers at sixteen hundred. You can tell I went to high school a lot so, longer. So, no. so wow. she, it was sixteen hundred, and so I think we we averaged about a thousand on feed total, a thousand dollars on feed, maybe a little more for the whole thing. For the whole thing, you know, um, and then she made probably about five thousand total. That was her profit. That no, that was our total. Okay, so you minus about twenty. Well, how many man hours went or kid hours went into that? <laughs> yeah. I, well, so to be honest, I don't think there was as many kid hours this <laughs> last time because it was her first year with a cow, and I don't know how to raise cows, so it was well, it was two x. It, so it was many. it was a learning process for for all of us. So does know. she get to keep the money? She did. She did. But she she turned it into. She bought a more expensive cow this time. And so well, how much did she yeah. spend this time? Uh, twenty five hundred. Okay. So she got a little bit more of a fancy yeah, cow, you know, and so hopefully she's hoping. Still the $1,000 in feed though, right? It's going to be the same yeah, cost there? Yeah, yeah, if not a little bit more. Wow. Well, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, exactly. I love entrepreneurship. It, it's great yeah. for the process of learning, I think. I mean, it just, ultimately it's your parental decision which type of animal you get them. No. I personally, like, I just don't want to blow dry cow <laughs> ever again. I, so. We kind of left it up to them and let her, let them, or I let, I let her decide. She first started with a pig. And she liked the pig because she could be lazy, and then, and then she <laughs> yeah. then she just decided to go with the cow, and so 
All right. Well, we have to get yeah, on this. Yeah, we're, 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 yeah, we're no, on the train. That sounds like that. an early <laughs> smokes, right? All right. Kyle Lancaster. First up on the show is Kyle Lancaster, a real estate agent with uh, and short-term rental advisor who works with My Market Boss Realty. Kyle, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. So how'd you get in, involved with real estate? Uh, it was always always a, uh, a household topic growing up. I saw my parents go in and out of certain investments, uh, rental property here, maybe a flip there. And they did okay. I mean, there wasn't any... You know, there was deals that you do well on. There's deals that you don't. But uh, it was always, you know, in 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 your mind. And maybe if it wasn't a, a conversation every dinner table, uh, it was definitely something that was going on in the background, just about all the time. Oh, I like that. So yeah, it sounds like you had that unique because I I did not have that conversation growing up. I was like, I'm going to be an employee. Uh, so this is all new, right? When I got into entrepreneurship. So how did you take that perspective and bring it into your real estate career? So I had always knew I wanted something to do with real estate. It wasn't always, you know, there was, there was, you know, you, I could look at my full timeline and there's, there's bits and pieces of entrepreneurship here and there. Originally, Mark and I talked about this. I really wanted to go into law enforcement. I wanted to be, I wanted to be some sort of investigative, you know, law enforcement officer. I thought that'd be a lot of fun. I get into community college and it is just like high school. I don't like high school. I don't like this. And so I didn't, I didn't last. And, and I had met with a, uh, a real estate agent that I knew a family friend at the time. He said, you have nothing to lose. You know, I think you can talk to people. You, you will go show houses and you, you know, have a good time. And so that's kind of how that started. Um, but yeah, it, bringing it in, having, you know, the mindset of, of every, every, successful person I either knew personally or had heard of had their hand in real estate one way or another. And so I, I ended up, I needed to end up there eventually. Why not start there? So how do you make money in real estate? I mean, how do you really make money in real estate? So, so my, you know, nine to five, if you will, my daily job is, is I represent people when they want to buy or sell a home. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it, it's, it seems simple and it, it's not a hard job. You, you know, there's, there's harder days than others, but, but, uh, we, we work with a lot of people who are relocating to the San Antonio market. They've never lived here before. They've never been here before. Uh, but they, they know everything that's going on in San Antonio. So they want to check it out. So, um, it's, it's commission based. There's no, there's no base salary. Um, but yeah, that's, it's a representation job. Right. But marketing and networking, I mean, that's the, that's how you really make money, right? It is. It is. And I've, I was blessed tremendously. You had had Greg Foster on your show. That's, that's my team lead. He runs, he's the team lead, if you will, for, for market Bosch real estate. And there's about three agents. So it's a, we're a smaller team. Uh, but, but all the marketing is through social media and YouTube. And so, you know, when think of a family who lives in California, they've been in California for 15 years, you know, job transfer to San Antonio, Best neighborhoods, you're on YouTube or you're on Google, best neighborhoods in San Antonio will pop up. Yep. And so you'll, you'll see, you'll see, so you I know, found him. exactly. Yeah. You'll see, you know, 10 minute videos, um, certain neighborhoods, price points, areas, things like that. And uh, yeah, it's, it's value based. You, know, you provide value and people call us. So, yeah. And I built my first business in real estate. So one of the things that I think people don't really realize about real estate is how just, you know, people buy a house once every what? five to 10 years. Yeah, seven years is average. So you make that commission, that commission is done. Is that why you've got the short-term rental management to to make that more regular? Yeah, good question. I, that's something that, again, I knew that I would want to be in some sort of, essentially it's an asset management role. Owning real estate, managing your your assets, managing rentals, manage, whatever it looks like. Real estate is so large, you could, you could diversify your portfolio and still stay within real estate. But I knew that if I had started in a sales job, that I would get there that much faster and I would gain a much larger 
understanding and experience of of what it means to manage an asset like that um, if I help other people do so. And so, yeah, it's it's something that's probably, you know, short-term rental asset management to answer your question or, or helping other people manage or launch or just owning short-term rentals for myself is much a, more of a, a bigger, you know, 10, 10, 15 year, 20 year shot of rather than just I'm selling real estate right now. So you have one of these yourself, these short-term rentals. Yes. Tell me a bit about that. So last year uh, I had bought my first. Um, that is in the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. It's in Townsend, Tennessee is the is the town. And uh, it's considered the peaceful side of the Smokies. And so that is a three-bed, two-bath cabin um, on a little less than an acre. And uh, it was set up for a family's, you know, it was their vacation home. I think they had aspirations to maybe rent it out. I don't think they really ever did. So it was perfect to walk in, buy it completely furnished, do a couple things, and then Put it on the short-term rental market. So how, how much are we talking? That was for to stay or the purchase to buy it. To buy it, that was a five hundred forty thousand dollars purchase. Okay, and for what, that area, that's really on the lower end. But but yeah, did you put money into it to kind of spruce it up? It didn't need a lot. Um, I added a hot tub. Um, that's big in the Smoky Mountains. People like to stay in their hot tubs on cold nights, rainy nights. Um, you, you know, you add a hot tub, you got to add support for the deck, but really it was furnished. There was linens that, you know, I bought extra linens. You buy extras of the things that they don't have because they weren't running a business, but furniture, everything like that was there. TVs, you know, Roku TVs is what we put in our properties. So that's yeah, a little bit, but it wasn't as much startup as one might think. So you make money on the rentals. Yes. Okay. You also make money in asset appreciation. Yes. And you make money from the tax deductions. Yes. Is that it? Um, appreciation. Yeah. I mean, th those are, those are your three main. I mean, it's, you know, buying that one property wiped out my taxes last year. I didn't pay any income taxes and, and, you know, in a, in a state like Tennessee, your property compared to Texas, your property mm -hmm. taxes were so minimal. You know, my, yeah. my property taxes in Tennessee were, were like a fraction of what they would be here if I had bought the same asset. Um, but appreciation and cash flow, Yeah. Those, those are going to be your main ones. One thing I find interesting is it's your first investment property and a lot of people, they want to buy investment properties close to home. They sure. want to be able to drive by it. They want to mm -hmm. be able to put their eyeballs on it. What made you decide on Tennessee and then gave you the courage to go forward and actually do it? Absolutely. So I had, I had, uh, assisted, if you will, uh, my parents, they had bought three prior to me mm -hmm. in Tennessee. They did the same thing operating it, managing it remotely. Um, I was familiar with the concept and, and I knew even if I had bought one in San Antonio, if there's a problem there, I don't want to go there. I don't want to drive. I don't want to fix this leaky sink. I, you know, that's not a, it's, it's much more of a, a role of think of you're running a, almost a one unit hotel. If the hotel manager gets a call that unit XYZ is having an issue, the hotel manager owner isn't going to go to that unit. And so it was like, if I, if I can do it, if it can be 30 minutes away from me, but I never see it, then it can be, you know, a, you know, a day away from me, a day and a half drive. Um, but, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of the mindset you have with management. What I love about this is it's basically forced leverage accountability because mm. the temptation to jump out when something is five to 30 minutes away from you and just do it yourself. Cause you're going to save a hundred bucks versus hiring a handyman. Right is so high, but you've taken that completely off the table because yeah. you can't jump out to Tennessee. No, there's, yeah, that would be much more expensive to, to take a flight to Tennessee to <laughs> so go fix that. So what are those components that for, you need? That, what what connections, sure. what leverage are you using in order to run this thing remotely? Great question, because, yeah, and that's that's the, you're, you're talking about now your team. 
mm-hmm. if you think of it as like I'm putting together a team, uh, you only need a few components. You need a cleaner. You need someone that every single time someone is going to check out of that property, you have a cleaner the same day that's going to turn it over. And it needs to be quick. There's, there's usually, I have a, about a four or five hour window from the time my morning guest checks out to my evening guest checks in. And so it's got to be clean. It's got to be efficient. They have to be reliable. Handyman is your second biggest one. Um, something goes wrong. Hey, this needs to be tightened. Typically, there's not too many. I have not experienced too many issues where I need a handyman there this second while the guests are there. It's usually, hey, we just want to let you know you know this this faucet is loose or this faucet is dripping or this this door is not closing you know something simple like that they can go there afterwards and it doesn't impact the guests um doesn't impact their stay it doesn't impact the quality of their time there so it's you're 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 cleaner and then of course you'll have like an electrician a plumber on call but you're going to use them a lot less frequently they're for bigger projects emergencies if they do happen but uh, your cleaner and handyman are are the people you need some people will opt into to hire a property manager um I don't believe you need to. For some people, it is the best option for them to have a property manager. So if that's the case, then they'd have a manager as well. But the manager would take care of the team. Okay. So what about the marketing side of it? I mean, what Airbnb, is that it? Airbnb, yeah. So you've you've got a couple of channels that you'll you'll source out to. Airbnb, VRBO, Vacation Rental by Owner. That's a popular one. Booking.com. That's where I see most of my business. And really Airbnb and Booking.com. And, and of that. Booking.com is maybe like 10%. So Airbnb and VRBO typically hold the most uh, business for anybody. The problem with that is you put all your eggs in one basket and that basket's not yours. And so when you put, when you, when you do that, you don't own the leads, you don't own the guests, you don't own their contact. And so what we see a lot of hosts now do is implement some sort of direct booking platform. And a lot of these property manager softwares allow you to do that. So you just put up a flyer on the fridge in your property. Hey, next time you come back, you know, scan this book direct, save 20% on your stay, that kind of thing. Well, see, I think that's huge for a being able to scale so you can control your lead. You get repeat customers, but also, I mean, we've all heard Airbnb horror stories with scammers and everybody else. So giving consumers a reliable place to come and use those Airbnb-esque resources that you can then control and market and put out there is humongous. Yeah, yeah. And, and and Mark had mentioned that the possibility of Airbnb just deplatforming a guest or a host, I should say, for whatever reason they might choose. Maybe there was a bad mm. experience, something happened, you can no longer rent your properties on this platform. Yeah. And so for somebody- Maybe you voted for the wrong person. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah who on. knows? Yeah, I mean, you think of, you think of like, you think of Facebook and Twitter, you see that, but yeah. then Airbnb, you know, if your eggs are just in that basket, that, that'll bankrupt your business. Well, I love the mindset that like you've said you've come into it with because you, you're not saying I own an Airbnb property. Sure. You have said I'm a hotel manager. Yes. So you're creating hotels for people, which is basically what a rental is. Yes. And that's that's a scalable mindset versus something that's controlled by an outside company that is not doing the best job out there right sure. now, as we can all, you know. You know, I'd love see. to get into more of this because there's so much more to talk about. So I know one of the things I'm working on for this podcast is a, uh, a real estate niched uh talk would probably be about an hour uh is my guess um where i'm going to have people on there talking about real estate investing because it's such an interesting topic to be able to dig in from different perspectives but kyle if people want to get in touch with you how do they do that uh best place to reach me you can direct my my direct cell is 210-777-1759 i take calls text but you can email me as well kyle it's at mymarketboss.com b is in bravo thanks kyle appreciate it absolutely thank you great job great job 
Want to do the intro for your yeah. buddy Jared? <laughs> for my buddy Jared, his cow people. Let's All right, next up on the show is Jared Smith, a CEO of AN Global San Antonio, a veteran-owned and operated company that helps entrepreneurs sell businesses. Jared, welcome to the show. I appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me. So tell us a little bit about your background and why you ended up opening a business brokerage. Yeah, so I mean, I, I guess a little bit about me is, you know, like you mentioned, I, I'm a veteran, you know, so I spent mm-hmm. 13 years in the Army. Um, ended up, uh, you know, my injuries got caught up with me and, and got medically retired out. So I was kind of uh, lost in the world, you know, after after my military time. And so um, I ended up uh, trying to find something. I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. My, my father was an entrepreneur. Um, and it's kind of something that I always grew up watching and, and something that I always wanted to do myself. Um, and so... Uh, I started looking at different franchises, different options, and that's when I found um, A&N Global uh, and joined the franchise. You know, I liked the uh, the idea of, of uh, what it offered, and uh, business brokerage is something that I felt like I could still help people um, and help business owners um, achieve their goals. It's a cool profession, by the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I... I that had never even crossed my mind. I don't think I even knew something like that really existed. I mean, if I would have thought about it, I would have figured, okay, yeah, there's people buying and selling businesses and all that. But I love the concept. So, I mean, I, I that's probably the most that you know. That's what I hear a lot of. You know, is that oh, I didn't even know you existed, or mm-hmm. I, I didn't even know there was people like you out there. Um, and I think that's the biggest struggle that I've dealt with um, with getting started is, you know, a lot of people just don't know about business brokerage, you know, and and what we do and. And how we can help uh, business owners. So I think, and that's that's one of the things that is a barrier to entry in entrepreneurship too, because you know there's kind of two routes to go about it. You can start something from scratch, hustle your way into it, or you can buy an existing business. But people don't really think about that. So what's the process of going from like just I want to buy a business to actually using your services as a business broker? Yeah. So I mean, um, you know, there's two folds. You know, when um, selling a business, you know, we kind of, um, help the business owners, you know, market all that and stuff. Uh, when we're talking about a buyer in that sense, you know, we try to make sure that, um, the business is going to meet their needs ultimately, you know, figure out what they, their ultimate goal and, and what they're trying to achieve. Um, and then, you know, trying to make sure that it's a viable, um, solution to their needs. You know, we don't want them to purchase something that that's not going to be something that they're going to retain their money quickly, or, you know, they're not going to retain their money within a, a certain time period that they're looking to do. Um, and I think sometimes that's, uh, what you get with buying a business is, um, some, some people that are wanting to buy, they think that they're going to be successful, um, on day one. And, and that may not necessarily be the case because, you know, you still got to get get the things removing again and, and get going. So it's still going to take a couple, you know, years to get it back going for it for yourself. Well, how do you match a business to a person? What's uh, that process? like? You know, um, so the the first part is, is marketing the business, you know, and usually they, they contact me um, as a buyer. You know, now we do get leads from certain web, uh, websites that, that will um, offer buyers to us. Um and so really, you know, it's just finding what they, they're ultimately looking for. You know, um, the best example is that I'm working with somebody that's um, kind of all over the place. They don't really know what they want. And so with, with our company, we can offer um, franchise options. Um, you know, I've showed him a couple of businesses. He hasn't really, you know, um, bid on that, but he, he doesn't really know what he wants, you know. And so 
Um, I'm trying to show him different franchise options and see if maybe something there catches his eye. Well, give me an example of a franchise because I mean that's mm-hmm. that's probably where I would have gone to. It's like I want to be I want to buy a system. Right. So get that help, that oversight. Yeah, lose money on the royalty, but get yeah. help on the system. So give me an example of a couple of franchises that you guys might recommend. Oh, sorry. That's a lot. So we, <laughs> yeah, we, offer, right? we offer over 500 different franchises. That's all? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. So, so there, there is a lot. Like um, McDonald's? I mean. Um, not really McDonald's. They're more of kind of your smaller mom and pop franchises, oh. um, which I think are a little bit nicer because, you know, not only are you helping a smaller franchise, but, you know, you, I think you get better hands on um, from that franchise as well. Um, and like you talked about that system, um, I, I think with McDonald's, the problem with McDonald's is it's so big that you may not necessarily get that good hands on that you may need starting out, especially if you're this is your first time going out in, in a business venture. Um, you know, well, it some, seems like McDonald's, you can put one up in, in the middle <laughs> well, of nowhere. Yeah, they could be successful anyway. Yeah, right. really, you know, I've um, heard the startup cost on McDonald's is like three million dollars. Yeah, that's crazy. I've one. heard the same, the, you know, and that's and like, there's a waiting list. Yeah. There, there's a lot, you know, and each franchise kind of dictates their rules, you know, like um, mm-hmm. I have also heard like Chick-fil-A is another one where they you have to be an employee first of Chick-fil-A mm-hmm. before they will offer you a franchise. Um, How long do you have to be an employee? I, I like believe two that. days. Yeah, that, yeah. that day of. I think you have to be it for like a year. Like you have to understand the system first before they will offer a franchise. And it's not just a system; there's the culture, right? So that's, that's where Chick Fil A knocks it out of the park, is because they've got a great culture there. People go there, and the service is the expectation is high that you're going to have great service. Absolutely, you know. Um, and so, like some of the franchises we offer. Um, I, I know one I was just looking at for the real estate was uh, we buy ugly houses. Yes. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah. I know everybody's kind of heard that one. So so that's a franchise we offer. Um, another one I was kind of talking to a couple weeks ago was a gelato company um, from California. It was a small mom and pop, you know, um, family run business, you know, franchise. Uh, you know the. Um, the son and daughter were in the, the corporate level, you know, dealing with, you know, franchising and all that. So it was really ran by the, by the family, but it was, you know, a system of where they made the gelato in shop and then, you know, sold it, um, directly from there, which I thought was kind of an interesting concept. Uh, you know, I don't know how big gelato would be down here, but I'm sure in California that's. I'm just deal. not quite sure I know what gelato is. It's, it's like, like an ice cream. I know it's like an ice cream. But <laughs> yeah. what I got a clear yeah. ice cream I, that like is a lactose intolerant yeah, person like I won't softer, touch. It's a softer <laughs> serve, I think. Is okay. what it is. I don't. I you're with. I'm. Yeah. I don't know. Your cream. You got not me. that it matters. Yeah. But <laughs> what I love about a franchise, though, is there's some people. You know, they they love the idea of entrepreneurship, but they don't have a business idea or they don't have a trade that they know how to do. I know several franchise owners here who, you know, they they don't have expertise in that. Ex- specific industry but what a franchise does is it offers you the training the systems the models to be successful in that business and what's great about entrepreneurship is you don't have to be the best at everything you have to find smart people who are good at the things that you need to be done and almost the harder piece is managing that i think that's the uh that that is the biggest you know thing is is that with an entrepreneur Sometimes a lot of people have it in their head that they they should be the owner, operator, do it all, you know, and sometimes, it, you know, which is great for them. And, and there are some franchises that still have that model and, you know, and people are OK with that. But I think, you know, some, some of the true entrepreneurships, their idea is to, to be up at the top and, and grow teams and lead, you know, and develop their teams and, and you know, 
understand that there's going to be people that specialize in better areas than you, you know. So on this topic, Mm -hmm. since we're talking about franchises, (laughs) if you're a buyer looking to purchase a franchise, what are some of the things you need to look into for that franchise? Um, I think, well, first off is, is knowing, you know, what franchises you're interested in, what, what areas of, of sections, you know, that, that you're interested in doing, whether it be, you know, service, coffee, you know, um, right. Realtor, you know, you know, figure out, figure out kind of, you know, narrow that down. Um, and then I think you have to, uh, you have to look at, you know, how much you're wanting to invest, you know, also how much the royalty is. You know, and see if that's something that you can, you know, sit with and um, and and compare those because that's going to be the to me. Everybody has their own driving factors of what what moves them. So for for me, when I was looking at a franchise, you know, um, I wanted something that I could be able to grow and continue to grow. Um, and so with my franchise, we have no real territories so i can go sell a business up in dallas where my corporate level is whereas you know some of the other business brokerage franchises they're just stuck in a little territory and they're not allowed to go anywhere else outside that little territory and some franchises are like that and you know and and some people are okay with that you know um uh, you know but it's going to matter on each question or you know whatever they feel is important to them you know royalty may be more important to them than territory you know they may not want to pay a five percent royalty fee they may only want to pay a two percent royalty fee you know whatever whatever their driving factor is is really going to be um their question where i would struggle with franchises is i like to do my own stuff right Mm -hmm. i want to change this i want to tweak that and i would get in trouble so Kyle, do you have a thought on the We Buy Hug? Were you aware that that was a franchise? I didn't know, but I could see it being a franchise. Um, I imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, Jared, I imagine that's a, a large lead gen company that franchises out who's managing, you know, certain territories, if that's the case, or, or what do you know? I, I didn't look into it too yeah. much, to be honest. I just, I, I remember it coming across, um, out, yeah. yeah, I, you know, because I remember doing that. Oh, I remember, you know, I, right. said, I know that place, you right. know, type thing. So, and, and they, they um, do, yeah, they, they definitely have that sort of, uh, retention for, you know, people know who that is. And so that's, that, that's a business that, that can be replicated in any market, anywhere mm-hmm. in the country, any city, any state, and and people are going to have ugly houses that they need to sell, and there's going to be buyers for them. So, yeah, I can see that being a pretty easy franchise. But I think to, to also go on what you said, Mark, you know, how um, you don't like to, you like to do your own thing. I think, again, that's another driving factor, and there are some franchises that are very strict on what you can and cannot yeah. do, and, and, and but there are some franchises that aren't straight. So, you know, it just kind of you got to you got to see what each franchise brings to the table and that's i think that's the biggest benefit that a business broker brings in that aspect is is that we can we can bring multiple different services you know um like i have five different coffee shops you know so i can bring five different coffee shops and you can compare all five you know and really see which one you know or which ones you like over the other ones you know one i know one coffee shop's a golfing um has something to do with golf you know you may not like golf so it's you know that's out the window another one has to deal with co-working spaces Mm. um and coffee Um, i think i want to start one called uncoffee where it's not a coffee place but we we don't have coffee here i don't know what you're talking about bone broth that's what my husband said i was like that's gross but Uh, i think it highlights the need for like you just don't know 
what you don't know when it comes to buying a business oh, yeah. and franchising. Yeah, yeah, so having that expertise, uh, similar to having a realtor with your home purchase transaction, could you do it yourself? Yes, probably. But are you going to do it at a high level to where you know you're getting into the best deal possible? Maybe not so much unless you do it day in, day out. So I think that really highlights, you know, there's a lot of options out there. That's so. why I think it's important that we talk to you about this is so people know that yeah. they can get help. And that's what I think is, you know, so absolutely. And and like you said, uh, you know, I like to compare myself to a realtor, you know, mm -hmm. because we are very similar to the processes almost. Uh, very similar, similar, if not identical to, to what real estate agents have to go through um, and buy and buying and selling houses. Um, and so the biggest benefit that we bring to business owners when selling their business is, is confidentiality. You know, so a lot of business owners don't want their, their clients knowing that they're selling a business. They don't want their employees knowing their business. And if you That's go out point. and try to try to do it yourself, well, there, you know, there goes the confidentiality. Good you know, we yeah, make, you, gonna find we, those we, you know, yeah, we make, we make them sign NDAs before we give them any information, mm. yeah. you know, so we, we, you know, um, that's a kind of a big deal, you know, and the other, the other thing is, is that, you know, we deal with all the, the potential buyers. We, we through them, we go through, um, and make sure we find qualified buyers where if you're selling it yourself, you're going to have to deal with all those. And I know we've all sold stuff on Facebook. And you have to deal with all Why those. Why are you looking at me yeah, like that? Exactly. I don't even know. Uh, you know <laughs> you're the closest one I can see. But, I, but yeah. I mean, we've all tried to sell stuff on Facebook and trying to deal with people on Facebook of, you know, buying and selling of anything on Facebook can be a hassle. So you can imagine dealing with that on, on selling anything. And so if you're trying to run a business plus trying to sell the business at the yeah. same time yeah. and deal with buyers and, and answer a thousand different questions, that's where we get to come in and be the benefit. Yeah. Good. Well, if anybody wants to get in contact with you about buying or selling a business, what's a good way for them to do yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. My uh, my cell phone is probably the best way. I always have it on me. It's uh, 737-802-4558. Um, and that would be the best way. All right. We'll give Jared a call if you want to buy a franchise or a business or sell one. Perfect. <laughs> All right. As we wrap up the show, quick reminder, check out our latest podcast or catch video versions of the show anytime by visiting our website at satalkradio.com. It's going to be it for us. You guys have a great week. We will see you on the next one. Thanks for having Thanks. us. Thanks.